Hey everyone, welcome to the Curious Girl Diaries podcast. I'm Layla London, aka The Curious Girl. Now, just to let you know, this podcast is not suitable for work. It's also not suitable for anybody under 18. But the rest of you consenting adults, let's get ready to talk about my sex life, sex in general, and everything in between in explicit, raunchy, fun detail. All right, here we go. been through just with my own exploration, different dynamics. And the first time somebody was saying that they would like to see me having sex with someone else, I was like, I didn't know how to think about that. That's hot and that's sexy and fuck yeah. And there's another part of me that's like, whoa, wait a minute. When you guys first met, there was accusations surrounding Joshua of date rape and abuse and what was going on. That's how mistakes happen. That's how people get hurt, this hesitation, miscommunication. It's like, if you're going to follow my lead, you have to follow my lead. It's like, there's no debating that. This is what trust is. And that was the first, I think that was the turning point of trust. Like, this is now, it's do or die. Almost literally. If you want to move from here, you have to trust me. Welcome to the Curious Girl Diaries podcast. I am Layla. I have some really interesting guests today, and I cannot wait to dig in. Today's guests are Karma and Master Joshua. And Karma has departed from a decade-long career as a conservative journalist to pursue a passion for writing and publishing smut. So she's a girl after my own heart. She's the author of Surviving Master Joshua, the BDSM memoir of an unfaithful wife, and a founder at Carnal Culture Publishing, an indie publication devoted to supporting and promoting and publishing nonfiction works of kink and erotica. And we have Master Joshua, and he's juggling just about as many job titles as he does lovers. He's a pro-dom lifestyle educator, NTSB, which is non-traditional sexual behaviors counselor, spiritual guide, life coach, photographer, and fetish media producer. He's also co-founder of The Kink Collective, a New York City-based leather tribe devoted to kink education and events through all his Various endeavors, Joshua's goals remain the same to relieve people of the shame and fear, allowing them to live who they truly are. Welcome, Karma and Joshua. Thank Hello you there. so much for having us. You're so welcome. I am so excited today. I just want BDSM and all, you know, this is one of my favorite subjects. I love it personally. So I can't wait to just dig in with you guys. And really, I could just about do two separate interviews with you because there's just so much going on for both of you. I mean, there's there's a lot to cover, so I'm going to do my best. But can you both just kind of give my listeners a little bit about your backgrounds? So I've been doing professional domination for about a decade, a little over a decade. And stumbling into BDSM, I found my value in relationships, meaning to understand what it means to hold space and the value behind that, the trust and respect and responsibility that comes with it is pretty life changing. It's also empowering and it gives us the opportunity to jump in this into the driver's seat of our own lives. I found purpose through my own journey in BDSM, and that's to hold space for others so that they can find their own peace and self-identity. So when I met Joshua, I was a reporter for a conservative outlet. I was uh, researching a story about religion and kink, the intersection of religion and kink. But from the moment I walked through the door, it became evident to me that my interest in kink goes a little beyond the professional. And soon after, it became clear that my interest in 
Joshua goes a little beyond the professional, but I was a reporter and he is, for some time it was not, and I am married with two kids. So I didn't mean to embrace BDSM or leather or kink as any part of my identity. That wasn't what I was looking for when I walked out in, into the door. It wasn't on your radar? <laughs> I honestly, I thought it was fiction. I enjoyed that fiction very much. I enjoyed those movies and those books. And I was like, wouldn't it be nice if that was in real life? <laughs> I didn't think it was an immigrant from a different country. And in my country, no, it, it really wasn't. So when I discovered this whole thing was real, I was like, shit, I'm so married now. <laughs> I'm so married yeah, yeah. kids with a, you know, I can't do this now. Like, this is going to have to be just an intellectual interest because I'm uh, bound in so many ways. I can't go there. And yet I did. <laughs> and yes, as the book uh, shows. Uh, now, in the beginning of the book, you're talking about, I want to go back to that first interaction when you first met him, you know, before that hug where you lingered a little too long. Like what was going through your mind when you first saw him in action? Like, were you just instantly hooked? <laughs> uh, first time I saw him, what I saw is like, what a show off. <laughs> 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 this man thinks highly of himself. I'm taking a note of that. Show <laughs> yeah. off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he talks like every fucking word he says is like gonna. It's like I it's like <laughs> enlightenment, support, <laughs> respect, yada yada. I'm like, okay, cool down, guy. It was just like. <laughs> so I thought he's very full of himself the moment I saw it. First moment I saw it, but when when I saw him on action, I was like, okay, I understand why he's so full of himself now. <laughs> I was like, look at that. That's uh, that was impressive. It was sort of like. Uh, Hearing an interview with like a wrestler, a marathon runner, and you're like, stop, calm down. You don't need to honk your horn, horn, own horn that loud. And then you you watch him in action and you're like, yeah, okay. <laughs> a lot went into that. Yeah. You understand where he's coming from now. Yeah. Where that comes from. And how did it progress for you two? At first, there was kind of like this dual dance like I am a reporter and I'm a married reporter and we know that this is not at all anything appropriate so we're not even addressing it the elephant in the room but there is an elephant in the room because we both feel it right it's pushing us both to, like to the edges of the room with its presence and in the beginning he had his I'm a reporter so he was cautious around me in the beginning even though he was interested so <laughs> when she showed up the first time, right, we were doing a roundtable discussion, a discussion group around religion and BDSM. And that's what her hook into, uh, into the space was. The development of the relationship. So what I was going through at that period in my life, uh, the Me Too movement had hit the ground and everything was exploding everywhere. Rightfully so, right? Because there are bad actors out there and there are people who have been victimized and voices do need to be heard and space does need to be held. But what ended up coming after was me too being weaponized and the lack of due process. And I was going through, I had just started going through a, a split and uh, these false accusations from a former partner when karma came into the space. And she caught wind of the Me Too movement in the community. So the focus was shifting from BDSM and religion to the Me Too movement and what's happened. And I fell within that scope of investigation, right? The bad, the, the notorious master Joshua. Right? So my intention with that was if she's going to report and if she's going to investigate, I'm going to show her exactly who I am. And 
over time, right? And this is something that we're just finding out about each other is where were we in relation to each other, right? And I just found out earlier this week that in that time she was mesmerized by me as I was seeing it was like she was looking to find something on me, right? So we were conflicting from the beginning, right? And that conflict lasted about a year. Even as we became more personally intimate and close and physically intimate and close and, you know, very much skirting the boundaries of and crossing them of what is okay to do in a marriage. Even at that point, there was sort of like a, a residual mistrust, right? Something like, like he's like, he was, she's a reporter. There's going to be a, this is a sting operation. <laughs> yeah. And Right. When's the other shoe going to drop? Exactly. So... I, uh, yeah, And I was like, why is, I have no idea where I am and what I'm doing and what the rules of the game are because uh, his social norms are different than any, so I'm an immigrant, A, so I don't know the social norms uh, very well to begin with. And he moves in completely different social norms when it comes to relationships than what I knew anyway. Like he said, let's be friends. But for him, friends is sexual, right? So I could not, I needed a person to Joshua dictionary and I didn't have one. Right, right, right. (laughs) Good news. Strictly Anonymous podcast is looking for people to call into the show. So if you lead an interesting, naughty secret life that you want to talk about, while remaining anonymous or not anonymous, if you're out and proud, that's cool too. Send me an email, strictlyanonymouspodcast at gmail.com. That's strictlyanonymouspodcast at gmail.com. Or go to my website, strictlyanonymouspodcast.com and click on be on the show. How do you interpret all that? With that process, right? With the showing her who I was as I'm trying to keep the distance, right? Because I'm not sure how far like what the intention is. And over time, it became destructive, right? Because we didn't have the direct language around it, right? We didn't practice the level of communication that we've developed up until now, back then. So it's like trying to not show all the cards, trying to not show my bare chest to someone who I don't know the intention, at the same time, watching her navigate the waters, but not trusting me, right? To follow my suggestion. So it was almost like, I can't even say friends with benefits, right? We were like colleagues with benefits (laughs) because it was scary. Like she was holding space for me to speak and to reveal my own own identity to myself and to her as she was holding space for me. And that's where the trust was developing, right? And the respect was developing, the love was developing because while I think in the beginning, there were judgments. I knew they weren't coming from a bad place. They were learned uh, experiences which would cast judgment, right? Just because someone doesn't, isn't aware. And as our relationship kept developing, right? I was approaching it because as my attraction grew to her, I was approaching it trying to beat the morals versus ethics games, right? Meaning morals are like universal law, right? Ethics are man-made laws around feeling good, <laughs> right? So... Ethically, I only needed her consent. Morally, I needed to know everyone was on board to the degree that was going to give us permission to exist. And that wasn't the case, right? I tried to skirt. When you say everyone, can you tell me who's everyone? Well, it would be her husband, right? In in that point, it would be her husband because my relationships are identified as polyamorous, right? So the idea of opening the door for someone new is permissible, right? Right. From her side of it, the equation to the degree that I was looking for, wasn't permissible within under their agreement. But Correct. This turned into an affair at some point, correct? Okay. I'm curious about that. What was it that made you say, 
you had to have more of this to the, I guess, exclusion and on some level of your marriage? Well, what we spoke about the suspicion and the wariness, but A, we didn't speak about the attraction. And for me, I, I fell for him like, like I walked on a banana peel, head over heels, <laughs> hard. <laughs> and <laughs> That's a good way of putting it. I love that. Yeah. And it was just, it was too powerful a sense of awakening. It was too clear that this is something I am passionate about, not just about him, this whole lifestyle that he comes with, this whole world that I thought only existed in movies. And now I see it for real and it's different from what's in movies. And I just want to go in and see what's in there. And I, I want it to be okay, but I mean, I wanted the initial idea was I'm going to bring my husband in somehow. Joshua's going to help me bring him in. But it's very hard to do when, when you have a crush on the person who's already been. I was very powerfully attracted to Joshua from the first, pretty much first or second time I saw him. It was kind of like, I can't, I just think about him all the time. <laughs> can't get him out of my head. Yeah. Right. So... I was like, I'm not going to do anything. I'm married. I'm, I'm settled. I'm like, I'm just going to meet him one more time. <laughs> We're just going to hold hands. I'm just going to let him do this. I'm just going to let him show me that. It's just an exploration. It's I'm not really doing anything. Our pants are still on. Okay, I'm doing something, but our pants are still on. Okay, but we didn't kiss. Okay, but we did, but I didn't come. Like, you know. <laughs> yeah. Finally, it was like, all right, fine. <laughs> we did everything. We might as well do everything. Yeah. It was never a... Until the moment I, I said, you know what, until six months in, deep, deep, deep into uh, lies and deceit and a whole new life building without my husband being fully on board with it, knowing some things, knowing like he gave me permission to explore on my own. That's important. I got to the point where I explained, I want to go into this world. I want to see what's in here. I'll bring it back to us. If you don't want to go exploring, don't. And he said, okay, go, but don't get into trouble. When you say he gave you permission to explore on your own, what was the definition of that? What We worked pretty hard to, to find language to define that. So I asked him, it's in the book even, I asked him, it was Joshua who asked me, okay, you want us to, to be all right with your husband. You don't want to have to lie. So what are his boundaries? What am I allowed to do? And what am I not allowed to do? He said, you're okay with examining this world. So what can I, can I not do? Can I pinch your nipples? Can I uh, spit in your mouth? And I'm like, I'm pretty sure I'm not even going to ask that. <laughs> but because I can't say to my husband, can another man spit in my mouth and pinch my nipples? But well, wait, can I stop you right there? Because I think this is really important because you could say that, but you didn't. And I want to know why. Because I was terrified and I didn't think I could do it. I, in my head, no, in my head, you can't do that if you're married. But in my head, he should have come to explore with me. <laughs> As in, in my head, we are married. I want to do something new in bed or I want to just explore this world. Why are you letting me roam? <laughs> In a, play, in, in a place that is sexually oriented, I would take, if, if he said, I'll come with you, it would have been a little bit different. But yeah. he didn't want to. He said, go on your own. And I was like, why are you leaving the door that open? I'm just curious about this because certainly I've been through just with my own exploration, different dynamics. And the first time somebody was saying that they would like to see me having sex with someone else, I was like, I didn't know how to think about that. That's hot and that's sexy and fuck yeah. And there's another part of me that's like, whoa, wait a minute. Well, aren't Don't you, you want me? Yeah. 
you aren't you jealous? You don't want somebody. I mean, like, aren't you claiming me? Like, what am I? You pass me around. You know, I've had mixed feelings about it. And I just didn't understand the way people get turned on and what how it meant to that person. And I just didn't have the language at that point really to even, I didn't even know what the fuck compersion was all about or what that meant. You know, that term was not on my radar. And I just, there was just a lot of learning. So I'm just kind of curious if if you were as a woman sort of feeling that a little bit too, like, oh my gosh, my husband doesn't care if I'm out there doing this stuff without him. Now I just, uh, looking back, I understand how narrow and I wouldn't even say judgmental, I would say ignorant how narrow and ignorant my understanding of the world was because I thought it is in, jealousy is inherent. I thought it's a must. I, that's the reason why I couldn't trust Joshua, one of the biggest ones, why even when I felt in my guts that I trust him, I was like, but he's got all these women. He's actually, he's two-timing on like 55 women. <laughs> Okay, five. He's two-timing on a bunch of women. I'll, I'll, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Right? And I'm two-timing on our husband, which makes us both kind of, both people who should not be trusted. And my husband is being, uh, he's not interested in me anymore because he's letting me explore. So those were kind of like the ignorant assumptions that made my life very difficult because if I had any idea that temperaments differ, and his lack of jealousy does not indicate that he does not care about me. Rather, it indicates that he cares about me enough to put his emotional response in proportion to the idea that I should. I think it's a very mature point of view to understand that you can have those. I think he should be honored for it. But at that time, I felt like you, you must not care about me at all because you you're just letting me go just like that. So... At the time, that was what, and at the time, that was what I was thinking about Joshua is that he can't possibly honestly care about me because he's got so many other people, right? Yeah. How could he care about me? I'm just, I'm just another one. So. Right. And I want to get into that too. So Joshua, you're a pro dom. Can you explain what that is and what you do? Yeah. And how did you find your way to this? Like, how did this all kind of come about? So I was talking about this a couple, two days ago, actually. And I'm sorry that you went through that, that whole process, right? I just, I'm going to, can I come back to, because this is... Of course. My former partner, the one I was with them, was very jealous, right? And while it was a poly relationship, it was one of those, well, you can go do whatever you want type of permissions. And that doesn't, that's not permission, right? That's compliance. And to feel that way about what I was doing and who I was with and how that looked back then, because... In actuality, there weren't permissions, right? It was just compliance. And that can give a very different look than what it is. It gave a very different look than what it is today. So thank you for sticking it out because <laughs> that's not the life that I wanted to live. Right? Clearly, because here we are today. <laughs> yeah. So thank you. Thank you. Um, so I grew up here in New York City. I started having sex at 12. And culturally, being a, a child in the 80s and the 90s, to be a man, sex defined masculinity. Right, how much sex you had. So I started having a lot of sex at a very young age. And I would like to say it became a focal point. Uh, one would say sex addiction. And that lasted for uh-huh. a number of years until I came across BDSM and I found the value and the power of holding space, right? And the role that I play in these relationships. That shifted how I approach connecting with people. 
Now, in that time, I had joined the military. I was in the Marines for a few years. I was in law enforcement for about 10 years. I went into the private sector doing executive protection for another eight, all with the intention of helping people, right? My, I wanted to help, but military and the law enforcement fell flat because that's not really what happens in most places. In the executive protection area, it was a lot of fun, but it wasn't fulfilling, right? It was a fa- feast of famine, and some of the contracts were great, and some of the contracts were horrible. I was working with royal family members, politicians, and celebrities. And in that time is when I came across a gentleman at a party. I believe we had met online, and then we met at a party, and his intention was he had asked me if I would treat him like a dog and humiliate him or degrade him, but not in a way that's without seeing the person and respecting the person, valuing the person's space and keeping them safe. Wait, can I follow up here? So you're at a party and was this, what type of party was this? It was a BDSM party. Okay, okay. It was a BDSM play party where people congregate, they hang out with the intention of watching and engaging in BDSM scenes or just learning about it culturally. It's like going to a formal dance and accept dance, they're doing party, uh, kink and fetish. Yes. And so he just zeroed in on you and was like, I want you, would you do this to me? We had spoken because one of the things I, and I haven't tolerated for a number of years is kink dispensing, right? And what that means is people seeing what I do coming up to me and asking to be next, right? So we sat and we spoke and I got an idea of what it was that he was looking for and he had lived in Long Island. So we made arrangements for me to go out to him and engage in in this uh, professional scene. And at the end of it, he had so much relief in his face and he was so thankful and there was so much gratitude and was so fulfilling to be able to hold space for someone to be their own person, regardless of what it looked like and to feel powerful after, right? And to know that I was able to create that container for them to go from point A to point B, just to be relieved of stress, to be whatever it was that he processed and experienced, I created that container for him to experience it. And that was very powerful. And that's when I shifted my perspective, my focus on, well, what is it that I want to be doing? And ultimately, it's creating space so people can find their own identity through sexual expression. It took me years to figure out that language around it because it was one after the other after the other and trying to refine the language of, well, what's happening, right? And uh, what karma actually enlightened me to a few days ago was what we're doing, and this brings in the spiritual realm of BDSM. What we're doing is we're holding space for someone to be their truest self without judgment. And in that space, if it's an hour, if it's a day, if it's a lifetime, that is the pinnacle of human existence, right? To find your identity without feeling judged or shamed and to exist peacefully. That's what I aim for in my work now. And that's what I've been doing for a number of years. Yeah. Do you believe that, I'm just curious, do you believe that dominants are created or born? I think everyone's on a spectrum. I think dominance comes from confidence and self-awareness. I think anyone, if you fake it till you make it, it's not real. I think you're just role-playing dominant. Yeah. Just like- There's a lot of role players out there, Joshua. (laughs) I'm telling you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can- I think we fall on a spectrum, part of it in my opinion it's like sifting through all the ding i call them ding dong doms it's what i've noticed is because we host a, an, an intensive called people before kink and the idea with that is to do introspective work to understand who you are before you come to the table right and then when you come to the table we facilitate conversations around normalizing the conversation and the language on an equal platform right because you walk into a room you're no one's dominant and you're no one's submissive right like there's a power exchange here yes but she has just as much control over it as i do 
in regards of forget about the internet and all the fancy stuff. If she has the stronger wheelhouse in whatever we're doing, she will take the lead because I'm not going to let my ego stand in the way of us working in our most optimal performance, right? I have no issues stepping down. The only reason why I'm the master and she's the slave is because I'm two steps ahead in this journey. And I know which rocks are loose and I know which rocks are firm. And my intention is to help pull her up or push her up. And she's to do the same. And that's how I approach all of my dynamics, all of our relationships is in conjunction with, there aren't any absolutes, I don't think. Yeah, yeah. So how many, I, I know that you also, you see clients, correct? Yeah, yeah, I do. Or you see people, profe- you know, in a professional capacity, right? Where you're doing this. And how many will you take on at one time? So when it comes to uh, working with folks, my intention isn't to keep them, right? My intention is to go through this po- process of introspection, self-actualization in the container that's created, vulnerability through the process, and integrating it moving forward, right? The container that we create is a blueprint of connection and seeing what it feels like to be seen and heard and respected and equal right off the bat. So it sets the baseline off of relationships. If I can feel this powerful and heard here, why can't I be that everywhere, right? So after our process, the person's choice is you're going to go ahead and live your life and do your thing. And you're going to use these tools to, to connect and find your authenticity to the best of your ability. If you choose to continue your submissive journey with me, we will do that. And there's a process through that of doing stuff that's scary, right? Saying yes and not saying no. Granted, all within consent, all within boundaries. But my intention is to get people to find their outer lying most boundaries around identity. What am I okay with and what am I not okay with? And it doesn't even have to be BDSM. It's just in language and feeling. There is retention, but I don't. I also don't force people to do work beyond what they're ready for, right? So the client base fluctuates depending on where they're at in their lives. Yeah. Is some of this sexual in nature? Uh, I guess you can say it's sexual innately, right? Because of the proximity of the modalities that we're using. For some of the people that I connect with, it does get sexual in the realm of penetration, right? Because I love fisting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And to me, that's a level of... I fisted a guy. I just don't want to be fisted. <laughs> <laughs> right? And it's like there's a level of vulnerability. When a person can come to you and say, look, this is something I've desired, but I'm so ashamed to say it. And we've been working for a year or two. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's work through it. Let's go through the process and figure out how we're going to get from point A to point B. Yeah. This thing is sexual for them. It's a handshake for him. <laughs> it is. It is. It is. <laughs> oh my God. Let me let me shake your hand deeper. <laughs> yeah, right. Because yeah. it's not it's like my clothes stay on for this stuff professionally. My clothes stay on. Because it's not about me. The minute my clothes come off, it is about me. And I don't go down that route with on the professional side because these experiences aren't mine to have, they're mine to facilitate. Okay. Oh, good point. Yeah. I like that. I like how you said that. Karma, in the book, you said that you burst out laughing when you got Joshua's client intake form. (laughs) Well, I did the same thing. I was like, when someone, the first time someone gave it to me, I was just like, what the fuck is this shit? I'm like, I'm not filling this out. I'm a grown up. You know, like that was literally like, I was, I was so put off by it. I don't know why, but, and I just remember I went through it and I just half-assed it. I was like, oh, whatever. And some of it, I mean, a lot of it, I didn't even know. I had no idea what the fuck that this was. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it's very expansive. But looking back, I so appreciate that. I didn't appreciate it in the moment. 
as three and a half years later with that person, I totally got it and appreciated it. But I'm wondering why you found that so amusing and what your reaction was. Like, were you- Well, because walking into this world, the only thing I knew about it was Fifty Shades, right? And all I knew about Fifty Shades is that a book that is written, I mean... While I find many aspects of it attractive, the writing are not is not one of them, right? You, I mean, yeah, a book where somebody says "Holy cow!" when a dick is coming close to their face is not uh, a realistic book. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, 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 I, well, I gotta go. We'll, we'll ask that after. <laughs> but the intake form that he sent was just like uh, that's straight out of fifty. I mean, uh, that's what made me laugh. The fact that he said, "Oh, all these people don't know what they're coming in thinking Fifty Shades. That's the only template they have in their minds to what BDSM is, and I have to do all this work to correct it." So I'm like, "Ah, oh, that must total fiction." And then he comes, and he this is. Also, I was amused by how similar our own, the progression of our own relationship was to Fifty Shades, right? <laughs> yeah. Minus the billions of dollars. <laughs> right, yeah. Minus the billions. <laughs> what funny thing about the intake, four years later, it's progressed. Now it's about 100 questions and it takes about four to five hours to complete. And the idea behind that- Because you've, yeah, from your personal experiences, you've expanded- Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because ultimately, the person I'm connecting with, if it's personal or professional, you need the working language around your own identity if we're going to have this conversation. So instead of sitting with you for four hours talking through it while you go, mm, and ah, uh, you can go ahead and do this homework for yourself. So when we do connect, you have this own language about yourself, right? Because it's not, are you into this? Are you not into that? It's not a checklist. Like it's a history between from when you can remember sexual identity to your present, where do you want to go? The definitions, like, Domination has a different definition between everyone, right? So if you come into looking for a power exchange with a submissive perspective of sensuality and my dominance is from sadism, we're going to clash and we're going to clash hard, especially if the definitions don't match, right? So it's like, this is pertinent to you, (laughs) not to me, (laughs) but it's pertinent to you. Yeah, right. I know. That's why I appreciated it after, you know, it, it took being in the dynamic for as long as I was with that same person to finally then go, oh, Uh, yes. (laughs) And I get it, right? And I was so guilty of just not getting it on the very beginning. I I was green as fuck. I had no clue what any of this was really about. I just thought, oh, you know, a little bit of this. I want to try a little bit of that and that'll be hot and fun. And I had no idea that this would be the such a big part of me, that such a big part of me would be found and then expanded on. And it really probably was the biggest thing that's finding that out about myself has been just one of the biggest revelations I've had as as an adult. Like, you kind of think you know yourself pretty well. And then, woo, right? This is just... And it's constantly evolving. It's exactly like that. It's constantly evolving. Like, we had a guest staying with us the last... Uh, five days. And uh, she's younger. She's 21. And she's new to the lifestyle. She was visiting from the West Coast. And while she was here, she was observing our communication and our connections and the open, the transparency that we have with the communications. And it was emotionally moving to her because no one taught us how to do this, right? No one taught us how to have relationships. No one taught us how to be lovers. No one taught us how to communicate. No one taught us communication in relationships. No one taught us integrity and what that looks like. And to see it 
from an outside perspective of investment of five plus years within multiple relationships to see how fluid it seems, right? Because it's not so easy, but it gets easier, right? It's emotionally, it's an emotional experience to know that you can actually be seen and heard. And it's because of this process, this process of accountability that she's helped me to uh, just as much as I've held her to. In order for her to wear the collar, I told her she had to come clean to her husband, right? That's what warranted the dynamic is we have to fix the foundation. Yeah. What was that like, Karma, when you had to have that talk? Holy shit. (laughs) Well, there were several things that progressed to bring us to that point, right? One of them was coming to a point where lying to my husband has brought me very low, right? Because like... In the beginning, I said it was a game of catch-up, right? You cross a boundary, then you try to fix it. Then I tried to fix it with my... Then I crossed... Once once it became fully sexual, I just like, this is an affair. That's it. And living it in a lie has a very higher price than I expected it to have. Mentally, emotionally, spiritually. It just brought me down real low. And I was... At a certain, yeah, I was harming myself at that point. I was kind of on the, not suicidal, but examining the, thinking about it. (laughs) Definitely thinking about it because I tried again and again to leave Joshua and put the whole thing behind me. And I just end up coming back because there's just, it's an unfinished story. It's, it already took so much of, up of me that I did not want to, it was like, how can I, this is, this is my journey. This is it. This is my life odyssey happening right now. I walk away from it. I can keep the shell of my life, but my whole, I could feel it from the very early on in the beginning that this is, is kind of like where I'm tested and found this will make me or break me kind of. So all that time. I think it made you. (laughs) Yeah. In a way. I mean, karma did not exist before, right? Karma is not my real name. This whole person, this whole career, this whole nothing, none of it existed. It's a whole new personality, right? But how did we get to the collars? So he had other people. I had other people. I was trying to get away and I couldn't. And finally, I came up to him and I said, look, I'm in trouble. <laughs> I'm going to harm myself. It's going to cut. This is dangerous for me and for my family. Right. And he was like, and what I needed from him at that point, looking back, I needed a clear sign of commitment because I did not understand polyamory. And I did not. All I understood is that there are other people that are more important than me sometimes. And I never know if somebody else is going to be taking my place or not. And I am approaching this as as somebody who's just kind of here and might not be I might not get a call back tomorrow. Right kind of like he might disappear. And even though he didn't show that in his behavior, it was kind of like the the assumption behind the the subtext, right? We're just kind of here right now. We don't know what's going to happen next. Yeah. But when he saw that I was in in a bad place, he said, okay, look, we're going to do this. I'm going to be your master and you're going to be my submissive. I'm going to be your dominant. You're going to be my submissive. And I'm going to give you a collar and you can wear it after you tell your husband about us. And I know you're scared to uh-huh. do it. I know you're, it's hard to do it. It's, but I'm going to walk you through it. And from now on, that's going to, your problems are my problems. I'm going to share the responsibility for it. And I'm going to be right there to support you. But you become mine once you do this. I said, but I need you to trust me. Yes. Not you'll be mine. Because yeah. I know she can walk away at any moment. But <laughs> I need you to trust me because that's what was missing 
the whole time was, and I, I trust just, if I say jump, just jump right. and do it because this, it, and it's not, I would never ask someone to do something I wouldn't do, but that's how mistakes happen. That's how people get hurt is hesitation, right? Uh, miscommunication. It's like, if you're going to follow my lead, you have to follow my lead, right? It's like, there's no right. debating that. Like, this is what trust is. And that was the first, I think that was the turning point of trust. Like, this is now it's do or die. <laughs> like, almost literally. If you want to move from here, you have to trust me. That was, yeah, I was, <laughs> and I, said, I was like, yeah. thank you. I'll take it. I'll do it. Whatever you say, I'll do it. From that point on, yes. it was, uh, and, and that trust was from that point on where we both shook hands, kind of shook hands on it, said like, okay, your problems are my problems and I do what you say. <laughs> from that point on, it was a very different relationship. It was a, overnight. Yeah. It, yeah. What, and what I realized, and this is not easy for me, is acknowledgement. Like she said, she wanted to be acknowledged and, and a, a form of commitment. And to me, action is acknowledgement, right? But hearing what you said about I could be gone tomorrow, while it's true in a few ways, right? I could die, right? If an opportunity came up and I left tomorrow to another state because of blah, 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 whatever. The commitment is still to her being the best mother and parent I'm sorry, the best uh, mother and wife, the best person that she can be with the intention of staying connected and continuing to move my life forward with her in whichever capacity that can be too, right? Because it's like the acknowledgement of the relationships uh, is something that's always fallen to my blind spot because for me, it's like, but I'm here, right? So to hear that, and again, whenever we get to have these conversations, she says things that really opens me up to where she was and what she was going through. So again, thank you. Thank you for saying that. <laughs> Thank you for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love watching you two interact. Aww. You're just like, oh, <laughs> I know. Yeah. I think that, well, we're, I'm gonna, we're gonna get into this, just how I feel like BDSM, it's just, it gets a bad rap as far as the relationship part of it or the way that people are relating to each other. And but I wanna I wanna jump into something first because when you guys first met, there was accusations surrounding Joshua of date rape and abuse and what was going on. I really wanna jump into that, but I also wanna talk about it's a good time to talk about consent, non-consent play and how you define that. And so I'd love to hear your, you know, your side of what what was happening at that point. So I was researching the story and uh, about uh, kink and religion when I came, one of the interviewees alerted me to the fact that there were recent allegations made by uh, Joshua's former play partner who, or former partner who um, she accused him on social media of, uh, of uh, date rape and uh, emotional abuse mostly. And she, she, put up a pretty detailed post about it and at the time and I read it and I came back to him with it and I said, what is this? And he said, these things did not happen. He had some text exchanges to show that, but I was like, but what about this? What about that? I was pretty aggressive <laughs> about trying to find out what happened from that. He turned into a possible villain at that point. I, I already had a crush, sure. him, but he was possibly a villain for me at that point. And I will hand it over to you. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so around that time, I was in a relationship. I had my primary, who was my business partner at the time. And then I had the accuser, accuser one, we'll call him, who I had been with for about a year. I had a submissive who I'm who's still part of my circle now. We had a break and she's back in my life and other play partners scattered throughout. Uh, throughout the relationship, there was a lot of 
request for abusive type of play, right? And if it looked in the form, it was all under the guise of CNC, consensual non-consent, rape, domestic violence, and a lot of things in that direction. And it wasn't my wheelhouse. Like I don't, that stuff doesn't sit well with me, especially if someone's asking for it, right? So fast forward through time. And uh, a week before her and I split up, there was an accusation against a friend of hers for trying to renegotiate mid-scene. And that's a no-no. Once the play starts, you can't change the rules, especially if it's someone that you just met, right? If let's say we're in our dynamic and CNC is consent, non-consent is part of our relationship. I am allowed to shift within that play space, play time based on our agreements. But if you're meeting someone and who doesn't know and they're brand new at this and you get them into a scene, let's say you're tying them up and then you introduce, can I spank you? After the play has started, the person's not in the space to change their permissions because one would say they're already out of sound mind because of the experience that they're in. It can be very disorienting. So you can't renegotiate with someone once the scene has started. So anyway, this person had, someone mentioned to me that they had renegotiated. Wait, can I just stop you for a second? I want to clarify that. All right, guys. Well, that is going to conclude part one. So you are going to have to tune back in next week. And that'll be episode 307 to conclude the BDSM memoir of an unfaithful wife. All right, that's it, guys. Everyone stay happy, stay healthy, stay safe. And you know what you can do. Go to thecuriousgirldiaries.com. Leave me a voicemail. I so love hearing from you. It is so much fun to just go back and forth and get to know each other a little bit better. And all you have to do is click on the pink tab on the right-hand side of the website homepage, or actually any page on the website, and you got five minutes. Let it rip. I get back to each and every one of you personally. Love you guys. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. And if you like what you hear, refer me to a friend. And make sure you're following me on social media. Also, go to the website, thecuriousgirldiaries.com, and join my subscribers-only list for access to exclusive content. And as usual, questions or comments, you can always email me at curiousgirl at thecuriousgirldiaries.com.